Jorba Jorba. This is the Tbilisi podcast covering life, travel and more in the Republic of Georgia. Brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge and eatthistours.com. episode we are talking about the history of georgia we discuss the oldest ever remains found in georgia they're 1.8 million years old we can't do a history podcast without talking about wine of course we'll just discuss that just a little bit and we also talk about some of the invaders georgia has seen over the years and how georgia has overcome it to keep their culture alive and well today let's do it Hello and welcome to an episode of the Tbilisi podcast, a show about life and travel in Tbilisi, Georgia. I'm your host, Meg, and today we are doing a brief history of Georgia, which is not going to be an easy thing because the history of Georgia is not brief in any way, shape or form. But uh, here's a few things. Did you know that the oldest ever Homo erectus, and that means upright man, his remains were found in Georgia in 2000. And those remains are 1.8 million years old. Did you also know that roughly 20 miles south of the capital city of Tbilisi, the oldest evidence of wine production was discovered, and that dates back over 8,000 years? Or did you know that Georgia was the second country in the world to adopt Christianity? If you didn't know any of those things, or even if you knew one, you were going to learn something from this particular episode. Uh, So while still actually being considered undiscovered and relatively new on the tourist trails, Georgia is a country that has been around for a very, very, very long time in one form or another, and people have certainly been busy creating history along the way. So in this episode, we are trying to discuss very briefly, uh, the history of Georgia, which might not be an easy thing. But uh, today I've got one of our amazing tour guides and sommeliers who works with us at Eat This Tours. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and and why you're such an expert on Georgia, other than being from Georgia, of course. So hello, Meg. Hello, everybody. I'm very happy to be here with you, just sharing the information about Georgia, about Tbilisi, and some nice and interesting stories of this country. So a little bit about myself. So I'm a certified guide of the cultural tours by the local association of the Georgian guides. And I also have the international certification done by the World Federation of the Tourist Guides. So I've been here in this industry, let's say, from 2014. And since since this time, it has always been amazing to be as a tour guide, to work and to share all the stories of this country to the people who are interested, especially coming from other countries to Georgia. So I'm very happy to share some information, of course, about Tbilisi, which is like a, we we call it like a boiling pot <laughs> because Quite it's really <laughs> because it's really like. Um, a beautiful mixture of too many different cultures and too many different historical events. So I'm here to have <laughs> to have the questions from you and, and I will, of course, answer. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, let's start with the history of Georgia going all the way back. So, yeah, so they've pretty much got history here from 1.8 million years yeah. ago. That's Absolutely insane. This is quite interesting. Yeah, this discovery actually was made, as you already mentioned, in 2000. And that's actually quite close place from Tbilisi. This is the Manisi. And the Manisi is very beautiful, actually, the place, not only because of these very old, like, discoveries, but also because it has a big and important reflection of the history of Georgia. So you can find there a beautiful nature, but also the beautiful old historical site. So this this discovery, of course, tells us a bit more that the people living here, many, many million, let's say thousands of years ago, the very first what is discovery actually tells us is that it's not only like um, the very old, but it also tells us that the climate was quite different. Here we had absolutely different climate zone. So 
mainly besides these bones of the ex human being, let's say, yeah. they were discovered also the, the bones and uh, some, okay, the, um, the discoveries that actually tells us that it was kind of like a tropical area. Which means that, yeah, so it means that the climate zone was absolutely different from the one that we have right now. Because they discovered also kind of like a fragment of the elephants, the tigers, and also the animals that are very typical for the tropical zone. So it means that the climate has changed much (laughs) since then. (laughs) And it also tells that there was a big explosion of a lava and the volcanoes around which actually somehow later formed the volcanic plateau and because of this eruption of the volcanoes the animals and the people let's say so-called people were trying to escape from this danger and at some point they were collected in one place where they were covered with this lava and the lava is the one which actually made it possible to keep it for a long time and then we discovered it that's well that's a bit different than we thought before and of course yeah as the scientists say that it's of course this uh, like migration of the previous let's say the version of the the Homo sapiens. They started from uh, Africa, of course, but after Africa, that's one of the oldest that was discovered here in Georgia. So it's quite interesting. That is. That's really cool. And Georgia's like its own little Pompeii, I guess. Everybody's heard of Pompeii, but Uh, no one really thinks about Georgia. Every step you make, uh, it's like a potential, really big potential of a big discovery. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, the box of Pandora. Once you open, it never finishes. (laughs) So So of course you mentioned like there was really those volcanoes, which tends to make really fertile soil. And I think one of the things that Georgia is really proud of is their agriculture and their soil and everything. And and of course, that comes into it with the wine. Mm-hmm. So I did mention in the intro as well yeah. that over 8,000 years yes. of winemaking mm-hmm. tradition has been found in here here in Georgia. And yes. Can you you obviously wine is your <laughs> forte. Can you tell us a little bit about that sort of history? Yeah, sure. Obviously, sure, people were living their lives, doing their thing, yeah. agriculture, you know, lots of things changed through Georgia. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to just breeze over all of that history. Yes. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the wine. Okay. So the wine is, as I already mentioned to, to like everybody, and I, I tried to mention it to you also, is that a wine is the, one of the oldest philosophy and religion for Georgians. This is something that you cannot imagine Georgia and Georgians living without so when we talk about how ancient it is, it's not just only the uh, archaeological evidences that prove actually that it's so old, 80 centuries old. Sometimes quite funny when I mention that, you know, the how old is it? People are sometimes like, are you sure it's like 8,000? Maybe it's 800. <laughs> they ask, and I say, of course, now it's like I try to make it a bit more clear. So I've tried to tell everybody, no, it's 6,000 before Christ. So then they become really like shocked. But well, the major thing about Georgia is that here more than 500 different variety of endemic grapes are. So that means that, of course, we have these hundreds of different varieties. But during the Soviet period, actually, biggest number were became kind of like disappeared because the sadly the Soviet government only kept the ones that were the resistant to many different diseases. So the other ones that were a bit sensitive to take care, but they were brilliant, actually, um, type of the grapes. They were um, neglected and abandoned and, let's say, they forgotten. So only like uh, 20, 25 years ago, the Georgians restarted to reanimate the old variety of these the grapes. And they tried to search in different areas of Georgia, the ones who might be survived in some of the courtyards of different farmers. And even they tried to get the few plants from uh, nowadays the Turkish territory, but one of the oldest, like the Georgian territory, which is called historically Dalgarjeti, and the Georgian winemakers made it possible to bring from there down to Georgia. So more or less, it's like um, a quite helpful process. And to mention one important thing is that major of them are used and can be used for the wine production as well as to be like a 
fruit, the table grape, what we say, because in the world we have the big uh, variety, like big number of the variety of the grapes that can be used only for the wine production and not so good to eat. And the others are only for like fruits, but a Georgian ones are like a good combination of the both function, let's say. So you can use at the same time to eat and enjoy or to make the wine. Also, then there another story is like I tried to repeat like a data and information that is declared from the German professionals that um, Vitis vinifera, which is the cultural grape, domesticated grape, and uh, the very famous Vitis viniferas in Georgia are Saperavi, which is the red variety of the grape, and Rkatsitel, which is the white variety of the grape. They are mentioned to be one of the oldest genetically the oldest vitis viniferous living on earth so it ah. could be could be considered that the other varieties are just descendants and great grandchildren let's say of these <laughs> <laughs> old georgian ones but i actually especially the saperavi this is uh the type of a grape that of course is very very good to eat and enjoy and put it on the table but also it's kind of like it has a big potential so from the same vineyard you can get the same grapes but based on the different technologies you can create really different variety of the wines that can be sometimes like discussed absolutely different from each other so this is because it's very old and it, it developed all its uh let's say the nature and the potential of course mm -hmm. you mentioned like fertility and the richness of the soil is because of course eruption of the volcanoes that like uh, thousands of years later it became uh, the big actually potential for georgians to develop agriculture and georgia is not only uh famous because of the wine but we have one of the oldest different variety of the wheat growing in Georgia and we know that the bread is something that the Georgians really love. Yes, <laughs> so, and it's such good bread too. <laughs> yes, so it's, yeah, it's also kind of like um, one of the, the most important side of the Georgian, uh, let's say, the history. So to mention about this discovery that tells us that 8,000 years ago, people living here in this area were making the wine under the ground. Can you tell us exactly what it was they found? Yeah, it was uh, close to the municipality of Marneuli. And actually, we say it's uh, 8,000 years, but uh, lately they increased the number of the years a bit more, I'd say. They say that it's a bit older than 8,000, but it's 8,000 years. It's okay. Still, it's okay for yeah, us. That's so good. <laughs> so, and um, to mention this is that they discovered there the fragments of the ceramic vessels, which is like ancestors, let's say, of the quivery that we use so far in Georgia. Then the, uh, scientists discovered based on the laboratory research also was done in Germany, that they, they found some uh, traces of the fermentation of Vitis vinifera, domesticated grape, not the wild one, but a domesticated grape. And it also tells us that the people, if the people were taking care 8,000 years, like before, and they already had technology from their ancestors. Overall, we can calculate how old the process and this culture for Georgians is. And they also discovered it, the fragment of peeps of the grape, which also is it was collected in uh, under the like the the very end of the quivery, which is like a pointed part, the shape parts of quivery. And everything tells us the story that uh, the people had these quiveries close by the areas where they used to live. So kind of like a wine cellar they already had. And they used to do their wines inside a quivery. What makes quivery very unique for the world, not only for Georgia, of course, this is the world heritage, is that it's buried underground fully and just only the neck is visible over the ground and the whole process goes underground. And because it's the temperature is very stable, which is the one of the most important part of the making the wine, it creates like a very beautiful like a type of the wine because all the fermentation, maturation, aging process, everything goes down there. And the uh, important thing is to mention that it's not only just the making the wine underground, but 
whole history of Georgia tells us the story that it's a non-stop culture. Once the east part of Georgia would be conquered by Persians, the west part would continue this culture. They would never, ever abandon. If the west and east had a problem, South Georgia tried to make it possible to continue. And there, we need to mention also the big involvement of the monasteries in Georgia because monasteries were in charge to keep this culture to maintain, to develop, and give it to the next generations uh, throughout the centuries. While the convents, for example, they were in charge to make cheese. And we have uh, quite lots of different variety of cheese, which is also the earliest evidence of having a cheese in this area is the 5,000 years. So it's also... I didn't know that. It's quite an old one, yeah. And officially, the Georgians have... 18 variety, 18 different registered varieties of cheese. But if you travel in different families, of course, they have their own version of cheese. And you cannot taste the same kind of cheese in every family, for example, while traveling in different regions of Georgia. So it's overall like nowadays, because we already know that the wine can be sold not only with its quality, but also the story. And this one of the oldest story that Georgia has, of course, we seize the moment to use it to promote our country as the earliest area where the people used to make the wine and they still do the same. So if you are able to try the wine made in Kvevri, produced under the ground, you are not drinking just the beautiful wine, but you are drinking part of like a history. Just to imagine how the centuries ago, the people were doing the same. Uh, recently also the winemaking, the city business is not only the popular among like a professional ones, but uh, I have many friends who quit their very prosperous jobs and they went back to their villages where their ancestors used to have the wine production there, and they restarted the new life, let's say, and new business over there. So it's becoming kind of like a booming period for the wine production in Georgia. And apparently, lately, quite lots of natural and uh, bio wine lovers started to get interested in Georgian uh, wine and the grapes and the technology. And they are coming to Georgia. I have guided many groups like professional winemakers and uh, sommeliers all around Georgia and they try not only just to take the information but they buy beverages mm-hmm. and they export and they take it out of Georgia and they try to make their every wines back to to their vineyards which is one of the best promotion for the Georgian wine we're extremely yeah. happy to to have this moment <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing we, they, they yeah. anyway do the wines there but the best version is anyway back to Georgia so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are going to do a full episode on Georgian wine so we'll, yeah. we'll cover everything about fairies and and the yeah. history of making that you did yeah you mentioned also yeah. um that certain parts of Georgia had been taken over by different Different cultures throughout. Can you just give us a highlight reel of some of the the people that have come and gone throughout time? Yeah, sure, sure. Let's start with Persians. Even we have a bit like the more ancient ones who just crossed over the Georgia. But let's start with the Persians because one of the oldest invaders coming to Georgia to seize the Georgian land. And they somehow managed throughout uh, the history for several centuries to subordinate, let's say, Georgia and to dominate over the Georgia. They were Persians. After Persians, we had Arabs. So it's quite hard to imagine walking into Tbilisi and think that in 8th century, Arabs came and they conquered Tbilisi, for example, and they stayed there for next almost like 300 years. And they had one of the Emirates there. Once uh, the Arabs were, to say a bit bad way, kicked out of Georgia. <laughs> and on their way. Well, yes, <laughs> because it was really constant fighting it, because the Georgians never agreed to, to have some conquer on the land. But anyway, after Arabs, we experienced a dramatic invasion from the Turkish Seljuks that also somehow changed the historical map in the whole region. And the Turkish Seljuks were the ones who were knocking, let's say, and uh, striking on the Georgian gate. And the Georgia was the one who was trying to block 
them because after Georgia, if the Georgia would lose the war, the Byzantine Empire would have the problem. So apparently it happened like this later in the history. So after Turkey Seljuks, we had Mongolian invasion also um, for almost like 200 years, which is not was not easy at all for Georgia because it left the country without any pulse, let's say, really. It was uh, very dramatic. And after Mongolian invasion, we have uh, Ottoman Empire. All the big ones, all the big names have been through Georgia. We've always been squeezed in between the big empires. And after Ottomans, we had a Russian Empire. And after Russian Empire, we had uh, Soviet Union, and here we are. So there is no logical reason that we are existing right, right now, but because we've never stopped fighting for the independence, for the survival, for existing, we somehow managed. We don't know how it was, but anyway. No, and, and I think that's impressive. I think one of the things that a lot of people realize when they come to Georgia for the very first time is... I think there might be a, a preconceived notion that it might be, if you've been to any former Soviet countries, that it might have this Soviet feel about it still. But when you come here, like the culture of, of Georgian people is so strong and like the pride is is so there. Like it's even like the language is still so strong. It's And all of these things we'll talk about in individual episodes because they're so important to George's existence. Yeah, correct, correct. And what I also would love to mention for our guests coming to Georgia, if they don't find right away to see the Georgians with a smiley face, please don't consider that they are very moody people. No, it's it's you can find it back in history. They are kind of like observers. They don't come out really right away just to smile at you, but once they consider they you are the good guest, <laughs> they become like they definitely will become one of the biggest parts of your life because I, I always try to mention it to my guests because they sometimes find like, oh, they are a bit, you know, walking around with very serious faces. And then I try to explain them that you there there is the reason back in the history and it somehow, you know, lies in our um genetics <laughs> so <laughs> we're kind of like a serious face people but once you get closer and um, share who you are wherever then definitely they become one of the closest friends and helping hands also you could kind of compare georgian people to some of the the homes that you'll experience around tbilisi where the front of it is a very formal and boring facade and then you go out the back and and you you get behind that really strict yeah. looking facade, and it's this beautiful garden and this space that everyone hangs exactly. out together and this community. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I also mentioned you can find such houses, for example, in Kacheti, east part of Georgia, especially where they to look over. Like Kachetians are like the, it's the region which is let's say the richest region because they are the most famous agriculture people because they are the wine producers. So. Financial issues, they are quite okay. If you travel in West Georgia, they are not so rich, let's say. But they have always, you know, they have the culture to take care of their houses from outside, to maintain like design and everything. They love the gardening and everything. If you travel to Imere, to, to, for example, Samigrel, you find different culture. But if you go to Kachet, even they are a bit richer. <laughs> they still don't care much about our houses because, again, we need to move a bit, like one step back in the history. Kachet was the region where the, that's the region which was the most invaded and people never ever had a possibility to have the stable structure to live in and to maintain it because there was no every like decade without invasion and sometimes they needed to escape deeply in a forest to physically survive so at some point Kachetians are the people who care a lot about family members they travel they have quite nice cars beautiful cuisine enjoy you know supra wherever but don't care much about houses but if you go to west georgia it's the same country but still People first is like they are decorating their houses because the West Georgia was not as much conquered as Kacheti. And people still have the sense of this, you know, taking care of the houses and whatever. So it's even like every, every step you make all around Georgia, even if it's one country, it still has the different subculture, sub-character, let's say, and um, because of its um, 
you can find the different things there because it has a different reflection of different people also. So it's quite interesting. That is really interesting. (laughs) Let's talk about another really important thing to Georgians, and that is, of course, Christianity. And the uh, we have the Orthodox Christian Church here. We are going to do a full episode, uh, sort of explaining more about Christianity here. But can you just give a brief overview of the history and how it came to be here, and why it's so important to the Georgian people? Yeah, of course, with great pleasure. So everybody knows that it's like first part of uh, 300s, let's say, when St. Nino, the young lady, she's almost like 17, 18 years old. She starts her journey from Cappadocia. She got over the many obstacles. She was in a physical danger until she would reach the south part of Georgia. And one of the first nights she spent on the Georgian land was close by to Paravani Lake, which is the biggest lake of Georgia, which is also the volcanic origin lake. And that's the moment when she it's night she dreams and she gets the kind suggestion from St. Mary, Virgin Mary, that because she was afraid, she didn't have anything to show everybody that I'm Christian. So St. Mary taught her just find two um, branches, the dry branches of the vine, the grape, and make it the cross. So she later the next morning, she tries and she, of course, easily finds and she ties the cross with her hair. And it's like a symbol. She's just walking down to Tzcheta. And there is the beautiful story how long she was hiding herself in uh, blackberry bushes before she would get to know the area because she was uh, very afraid. How she decided to live with the Georgian Jewish people because the Hebrew was the one she could speak because she spent part of her life in Jerusalem. And later, it's quite interesting story how she made the friendship with the queen, the princess, Nana, and then uh, the princess was the one who was Christianized by her, and later the king, Mirian, who was the ruler of Kingdom Kartli, initial Georgian kingdom, she, he also was baptized by her. But that's a beautiful story. Yeah. And it's, of course, it's of course uh, shows us how uh, kind of like uh, resistant of many problems she was and how dedicated she was to, to the her mission and the Christianity and whatever. But the beyond this beautiful story, which of course admires lots of people, in, so do I, uh, the reality was a bit different. So imagine in fourth century, the central part of Georgia, Kartli, is too much oppressed by Persian invasion, Persian domination. And Mirian, who was even appointed as the ruler by Persia down in Kartli region, he tries to gain some independence from the Persian Empire. That's the crucial moment when Georgians try to rebel and try also to find the other way to maintain, to gain back and maintain their independence from the Persian Empire. So by declaration of the Christian religion, King Mirian also showed the orient, political orientation to the West, to the Rome Empire, that here we are, and we can be your partners in many political issues. So because of this crucial moment, because later the Georgians became uh, Christians, because of this decision, our history became extremely turbulent because we apparently became conquered by the people besides Russia who were not Christians. And we know that in old centuries, how the people were and conquerors would behave uh, once they would conquer the country that was uh, having the other religion, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, and apparently, but it became also the biggest part of Christian religion because became the biggest part of a Georgian identity. Let's go back a bit earlier than the 4th century when Georgia becomes the Christian country. From the 1st century, Georgians already knew about the Christian religion, about the Christian um, like philosophy and understanding because Andrew the first cold, who was the prophet, who, who was actually, let's say, the student of Jesus Christ, he entered fr- in, in West Georgia from current Turkish side, and he preached the Christianity from there. And of course, this information was spread all around Georgia, but because the Georgians had very strong pagan religion, uh, which was a mix of the local and the Persian, let's say, the traits, 
The Christianity was not able to become like a dominant religion. So for next uh, almost like three, four hundred years, the Christianity and the pagan religion were hitting each other, let's say. So, mm-hmm. and only the finalization of the process happened during the king. Mirian in the fourth century with the initiation and uh, dedication of, let's say, Saint Nino. But here is another moment. The story was not finished like this. After the Georgians became Christians, 200, next 200 years, was the period when Christianity was not strong enough. So in sixth century, here comes 13 Assyrian fathers, current Syria territory, who are Christian monks, and they come to Georgia and they try to make the Christian religion a bit stronger. What they what they did is that they established 13 different monasteries in 13 different places of Georgia. One of them, for example, we have David Gareja, everybody knows about it, which is the cave monastery close by the border of the Azerbaijan. There is another one, the Negresi Monastery. There is another one like Alaverdi Monastery. So all these monasteries are from the 6th century. But the most important thing is that before they would become the Christian monasteries, they were the pagan temples. So let's say only from the 6th century, the Georgia became really like very strong in a Christian religion. And uh, at some point, also the Christian religion adopted some pagan characters because they were so strong and widely beloved by locals that they didn't want to fight anymore. So they just grabbed these uh, characters and they turned into the, the Christian ones. If you travel, for example, in highlands of Georgia, in Tusheti, in Svaneti, in Hefsureti, this is the beautiful combination of pagan religion and the Christian religion characters because you can easily find local ones and the Christian ones. So this is how it is. And One thing that you, you mentioned earlier about how um, Georgia is sort of like a melting pot of, of different, I guess, but sort of multicultural. One of those things is that it's very accepting of other religions. You'll see there's... Uh, you know, Jewish people here, and then there's Muslim people here. How important was that for when, because one thing people might not realize is how important Tbilisi in particular was for the Silk Road and the trade that came through from east to west. How important was it that Tbilisi was so open to all these different religions to make that work? Yeah, thank you for, for uh, thank you for this question. So when we talk about this multicultural environment in Tbilisi, it's because okay, let's look the map. Georgia is really like a crossroad of two continents and two like uh, several different, let's say, the geographical zones. People so get course, really confused. Like you look at a map and people go, "Is it?" Asia or is it Europe? Like people get really confused by (laughs) it. So this is also quite interesting. If you ever ask Georgians who you belong to, what you belong to, are you like Asian or are you European? They will probably tell you they are Caucasians because the Caucasian means definitely the combination of two big civilization, two big let's say the continents, Europe and Asia. Because it's like, for, for Europeans, we are a bit traditional people, but for Asians, we are a bit more modern than the Asians. So we're really somewhere somewhere in between. So, yeah. And if you look the map, of course, the historical map, Tbilisi was um, a big, uh, like a hub of the Silk Road. Because it was not only the stop for the traders to stay there for a while, traveling from Asia to Europe or wherever. No, it was also we had the other roads like directly to the Middle East or to the north. And even nowadays, uh, for example, this Dariali Gorge, which is mentioned uh, as the military road. We hate this name because it was given uh, later by Russians, but um, historically it was the Silk Road also, started from Tbilisi going up to Russia, so through the Caucasian mountains. So, and um, Tbilisi still keeps the different uh, beautiful caravansarais that are mentioned as the trading houses that um, nowadays they have different functions, but still they are the part of our cultural heritage and we are happy to have them. 
And uh, Tbilisi was because if you look, for example, if you stand from Medechi Church courtyard and look over the old Tbilisi area, this is just only like two square kilometer territory. That's all. You look over the beautiful houses just uh, like constructed on the plateau, like a slope of the mountain, like the hill where the on the top is the fortress of Narigala. But even this is very small territory. We have five different functioning religious um like a confession structures let's say the buildings so um we have there the orthodox georgian church just on the top of the mountain in, inside a courtyard for example of the narigala fortress if you just look down a bit to the uh sulfur bath area there is the mosque and we are extremely proud to have this mosque because there this is a place where sheets and sunnis Sunnite direction of the Muslim religion, they pray together, despite of the complications what they have in the current world. And we also there the Armenian apostolic church, let's say, Gregorian, another name is the Gregorian church. We have the synagogue, we have the Catholic church, and there is one more structure which is not functioning, but still is the historical one. We have Ateshka. Atishka is the altar of the Zoroastrian religion, where the eternal fire was burning throughout the centuries. Now this Atishka is the part of the private property, but still it can be visited by the people who are interested. And it's in old Tbilisi. Why? Because, as I already mentioned, it was like a really big meeting point of the people from different countries, especially involved in trading. And we know that how the cultures were spread were like two ways. First, by trading, when the traders used to come from and merchants traveling in different places and they were sharing the information or by the invasion. We had both. So, and people somehow, and one important thing is that Georgians naturally are not invaders. If you look over the history of Georgia, it was only taking the swords and fighting just to defend the land where we were living. We were very peaceful people, and it's in, in our character, it's still like this. And if somebody comes with a bad intentions, it might become a problem for everybody, of course. But it's like, because we were very peaceful people, we had a big sense of receiving the different cultures, different, you know, ethnicity, different groups living in different places, somehow coming to Georgia. If you look, for example, even nowadays, typical Tbilisi courtyard, or if you look them like back in a history, it was the place, the space where the people used to live peacefully. And maybe I mentioned even it to you in a private discussion that the Children growing in such Tbilisian courtyards, they could speak different languages because they were together. And sometimes such neighborhood and the courtyard, they used to have the shared uh, kitchen. They used to cook together. They used to celebrate each other, family's celebration when it comes to both religion or the cultural celebration. Because once the one family had some religious celebration, the rest of the courtyard would celebrate together. It was just understanding of the peace, respecting cultures and religions without any problems. And one of the biggest proof, of course, of, of all these stories that the mosque where we have like sheets and sunnites pray together. And once I take the people there, the local, like let's say the housekeeper of the mosque, the man who takes care of this area, he always friendly invites me with my guests from different countries, because everybody wants to show how they feel living in Tbilisi. So this is how it is. It's very normal and it's very natural. So let's have a bit of a chat about, we'll move to more modern history now, because I think that's what a lot of people definitely have heard of the Soviet occupation and, and the issues that Georgia even to today has with, with Russia. Can you give us a bit of the backstory of of that and uh, and just yeah sort of the relationship with Russia over the past. Well, years. so let's start from the very simple sentence. Um, Georgia is one of the beloved uh, location to travel for Russians. That means that we don't have any problems with uh, Russians as the people coming traveling to Georgia. It's also because we've always been like this to many different people. Let's say 
But there is also another moment. I'm quite often asked that, uh, how do you like, Katie, when, for example, if you want to go to Russia, you cannot go if you don't get the visa. And apparently, we almost never get the visa, or if we get the visa, then it's big problem or whatever. It's quite complicated. But the Russians can come easily across the border with their passport and come to Georgia. So um, this is also the moment I think quite wise approach from Georgia, what we do, because I don't hesitate to mention that the Russians are kind of like brainwashed with uh, unnecessary disinformation about Georgia and Georgians. And we want them to come here to see what is the reality. So if they travel here in Georgia, they definitely go back with absolutely different points of views, different information and the stories. And they also understand that as they used to be during the Soviet period, Georgia, the good place of beautiful sightings and nice food and wine, dance and songs and whatever, and then go back. Georgia is not anymore like this because Georgia is the country which uh, somehow tries to develop itself because our uh, political and major understanding is much to the West, which somehow is not pleasant for Russia and Russian politics. And also Georgia is not anymore only for Georgians because we can find here too many foreign investments the people coming to Georgia, working here. And it's like, really, we are getting back our um, international importance, how how we used to have, okay, let's, let's say throughout the centuries. So, and we also are quite okay to show them the refugee villages that we have because of these conflicts that we inherited from the post-Soviet period. Uh, let's mention Abkhazia and Ossetia because the people definitely find that, well, they were told the different stories about them, about these, these conflicts that we experience. Still, we somehow try to overcome these problems because once we talk about two broken away uh, regions of Georgia, Samachablo, which is South Ossetia and Abkhazia, and still to keep the country moved, forwards to keep the development at the same time is quite a problem. But once we show them how we try to handle all these situations, they definitely realize that, wow, all the stories are a bit different way. And another another moment is that we somehow experience traveling Russians to Georgia who are kind of like an intellectual part of the tourists, let's say. Because they already are coming to Georgia not only just for like dancing beautiful songs or eating or drinking, they definitely come to to get a bit more of Georgia and to, to forget all the stereotypes, what they used to have from the Soviet period. Of course, we have lots of mixed families. So that's mentioned because, as I told you, throughout the centuries, and of course, no wonder during the Soviet period, the families, lots of we have like a mixed families of Russian and Georgian ones and people come and need to migrate or travel to Georgia or wherever. So in this case, everybody is welcome once they recognize what is Georgia <laughs> and what Georgia does need, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's uh, Russia is probably just the most recent pers- uh, country that has come into Georgia and, and tried to put its influences in place. But I think one of the most important things to sort of point out is that throughout all of the time, through all these different people coming through and trying to inflict their ways, Georgians have stayed true to their culture. Sure, of course, like there's definitely been influences that I feel Georgians have gone, yeah, that's good. I'll take that. Like when the Mongolians came through, I think definitely Kinkali is. Georgians went, we'll keep that. Thank you. (laughs) But some Georgians don't like this idea. You know, I used to have some discussions. They say, no, I'm Georgian. Well, (laughs) okay. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, Hangal is, by the way, the Mongolian toponymic name, like name, Hangal which was spread uh, the north part of the Caucasian mountains first because they conquered this area. And um, which means that rupt, something when you rub in. So Hangal, which became Hinkal in Georgia. But anyway, we love it. So we developed, let's say. <laughs> we developed. 
I love Kigali. <laughs> Let's actually talk about the name of Georgia because oh, yeah, it's something I probably should have mentioned story. in the beginning of it, <laughs> of the episode, but I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. Now, most Georgians don't actually refer, refer to Georgia as Georgia. They call it Sacabello. Yeah. And uh, can yeah. you tell us the origins yeah, sure. behind that name? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I joke that some lazy guys say we are Georgia because of St. George. But the story is not such uh, simple, let's say. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know what? Sakartvelo. So comes from the name of Kartli. Kartli, imagine, one of the initial kingdoms that dominated over the other Georgian pre-kingdoms. It was Kartli. So Kartli was the place, for example, where Mirian accepted Christianity and uh, announced as the state religion. That's the central part of Georgia, geographically. And the people living there were Kartvelis. So it comes from the, like, the origin, let's say. And here is another story. The descendants of Noah and uh, his, let's say, after the big flood, and Ararat Mountain and whatever. So the descendants, one of the descendants was Kartlos. So as also the legend tells us that the Kartlos was the ancestor of the current Georgians, Kartvelians. So here is like a combination of the name Kartli as the kingdom name, Kartveli as the nationality name, and Kartlos is one of the first ancestor of Kartvelians. And because of this karta, which is the core of the, the word, we are kartvelis, and the land where we live, that's sakartvelo. Sakartvelo means the land of kartvelias, kartvelians, the area where the kartvelians live. But how comes that we are called Georgia? So, because major countries somehow, anyway, have some close by their names. For example, Armenia, because of Armenians live there. Why not Georgia? It's because one of those I told you already and mentioned, and the, um, one of the first invade, invasion and invaders that we experienced, the biggest ones in Georgia, they were Persians. So, when Persians used to come to Georgia to fight, Georgians used to have their military uniforms. So the part of their uniform was the helmet, and on the forehead of the helmet, the Georgians used to have the carved out the head of the wolf. So Persians, the wolf into old Persian language is the gorg. So Persians used to call Georgians like gorgs or gorgia. Gorg were the wolves, and gorgia was the land of the wolves. Later come the Greeks. I would not say they were as invaders as the Persians, but still, they somehow managed to take some stuff from Georgia. But anyway, they also recognized Georgians as the winemakers and agriculture people. So Georgios means they're farmer into Greek language. So Georgia was called this area because the farmer agriculture people live here. So somehow the combination of Georgia and Georgia later turned into Georgia, Georgia, Gruzia, and so on. So this is why we got the different name as the international name and different name as the local, our name, like we, we call our country. So everything is like this. By the way, currently the Georgian government proposed to other countries to call as, as Sakartvelo. So there was like a different communication diplomatical one. I was so just going to ask that if yeah, they would ever and, change the uh, name. We currently, well, it's not very currently, but anyway, not so long time ago, we got this recognition from Lithuania. So they call us on official level Sakartvelo and we call them Lietuva because the Lietuva, their own language is their country's name. So we just exchanged the, our names, let's say, to, to recognize who is on an official level like this. So they call us Sakartolo and we call them Lietuva. We're looking forward from other countries <laughs> to do the same, because anyway, <laughs> it's quite nice when we are called our name. Absolutely, and people are very proud of the name. Yeah. And, and I think Americans won't be confused. <laughs> exactly, because you, you look up Georgia on Google and you you don't know if you're getting a place here in, in, in the country, Georgia. I will, or the state, I, I will Georgia tell you even more. I will tell you even more. 
It's quite funny uh, when uh, somebody is trying to boost their promotion on Facebook and they wrongly point out Georgia and we see <laughs> we see here instead of US state Georgia. It's quite funny. I think I got an ad this year for peach season and I was like, well, it is peach season here too, but I know that that's not the peaches you're trying to sell me. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's quite funny and but. This is how we have it <laughs> so far. So we've spoken a lot about the, the history and everything. So what would you mm-hmm. like to tell people about Georgia today? Like if you were coming to visit today, what what is Georgia all about? What uh, does Georgia have to look forward to in the future? What What's your opinion on that? Nice question. Okay, so at least if somebody comes to Georgia, they will have the experience to know at least three generations, okay? So the people from the Soviet period, the people from who would remember the Soviet period, but apparently they are more like a generation of the after Soviet. And we have also the New Georgians, like, for example, my son is 18 years old. He is a typical New Georgian. So I will try to give you some, you know, understanding of at least like three generations. So the people who were born during the Soviet government, they still have kind of like um, different understanding. I would not say nostalgia, but it's still, they somehow are missing. Not everybody, but still we, we can find some people who so far think that the Soviet Union was good. Because at some point during the Soviet period, Georgia was quite popular country, quite that's among the Soviet countries. Quite, uh, I would not say independent, but with a strong finances, economical system work. And they still remember, we joke very badly, but let me tell you, they are the people who could travel from Tbilisi to Moscow and they could buy by flight to fly and pay only 37 minutes for the per way. And once, especially Georgian men, if they would get to Russia, they were extremely popular. They love it. Well, no. Who, who doesn't, let's say. But anyway, but you know what? Uh, somehow this, this generation uh, was very unexperienced to take care of their country once we became the independent. Because this was the generation mainly got education in Soviet Georgia. And they were grown up uh, the way to live how they would be instructed from the government, from Moscow. And apparently the skills to take care of your own country, they didn't have. They never had any uh, like managerial and financial, like the real skills to, to survive after the Soviet Union. And apparently, let's admit, we were not uh, wise enough to avoid this big, too dramatic the event of the nearest Georgian history. So we, we could not avoid uh, conflicts and the wars in Abkhazia and South Ossetia, as well as the civil war. But they somehow managed to keep at least this uh, independence. Then comes my generation. We are kind of like a fighters, really fighters, because we were somewhere in between stuck with uh, old Soviet generations, but we also tried the taste of the real independence of different values, the Western values, because we were the ones who got internet. We were the ones who somehow tasted the result of the Rose Revolution, for example, and something like to change, for example, all the post-Soviet and pro-Russian corrupted situation, we changed into somehow developed or at least a bit better situation. So we still are kind of like uh, the people with the big hopes and... um, really fighting, fighting for for the better cases. And if we don't like, we are the generation who can definitely express that we don't like something we say freely. That the previous generation was not so much open. Let's say even we we were the ones demonstrated to become independent. And of course I recognize all I, I really want to show my respect to all the people who tried to fight for the independence of the country from the Soviet Union. But Sadly, it was not majority. But my generation is the one. And when we talk about the new generation, they are typical, like a modern style generation with a huge number of chances in their lives. 
for example, going out of Georgia, exchange programs, internet, lots of really lots of possibilities not to be closed inside Georgia in like Georgian bubble, but you go out and it became quite, let's say, popular to travel out of Georgia to study or even to work out of Georgia, but to come back. This is the most important what Georgians do because we deeply believe that and we respect and we show that when we see that, for example, somebody traveled, worked out some money and came back to Georgia to restart their own business, it somehow is recognized as the big example of the patriotism, big example to be respected by others. This is why at some point when we experienced, for example, a big migration out of Georgia during 1990s and they were the people like um, working in different European countries. At some point, these people either came to Georgia or they funded a big investments back to Georgia with the help of their family members, which is like one of the big things to recognize. And we also are the people definitely getting back our function as international hub of many different projects. So this is why at some point it's the... Um, a big wish for us to invite as much as possible many uh, like international society to come to Georgia to leave, to start the business, because we definitely believe that uh, working together will positively reflect of our uh, future. And there is no other doubt than just a very good uh, future in this case. It's also like... Um, this generation, I, I would say the new generation is the part of the society The Russia is a bit panically afraid because they cannot easily manipulate these people because they cannot be brainwashed. This is the most important. We somehow still struggle with the Soviet part of the society and post-Soviet, but a new generation, that's totally different story. So this is why we, we can understand why Russia tries to mess up some stuff in Georgia because this is their last try, their last chance because new generation are the people for example, my son is becoming 18 years old. So then he will be very soon able to vote. He will be actually the citizen to be involved in the social life. So there are so many of them. So in this case, it somehow matters and it matters a lot. So. Yeah. And I think you know, being in a modern age and people being able to see more freely and more easily what's going on in the world around them and making their decisions based on on that and we do know that there's a certain amount of manipulation that can occur yeah. online and russia is <laughs> certainly you know <laughs> forerunner yeah, but uh, let, let's mention let's mention let's mention that me for example it's not really i don't want to show like i personally have anything against the russian people totally no because they the Russians, they don't like even their government. So no wonder what we, we Georgians don't. Because yep. we, I have many friends really coming to Georgia because they somehow wanted to be out of their country because, well, because I'm the one who has them, like, uh, I have my beloved aunt. She was born and grown up in Moscow. She's typical Russian. But uh, she got married with my uncle and they've been together for almost like 40 years and she lives in West Georgia and we have too many people living like this. So I really want everybody to know that it's not about the Russian people. It's more about the Russian government, wrong politics, yep. wrong politics. They first, they harm their people back. And I think you're correct. It's very unfair to refer to when you refer to sort of Russians and the history and that to refer to all the people when really it is very much the government and the people, certain people in charge who did a lot of the bad things where the general people just were living their lives and trying to live their best lives like everybody else in the world, trying to be good people and raise yes, good children and, and put food on the table like everybody else in the world. Yeah, of course. I totally agree. So yeah, this is how it is that I, I try to show you also that Three generations, yeah, <laughs> in Georgia, and what I and me personally, for example, I was offered many times to live out of Georgia, like to to stay there, to work there. But I'm sharing my personal example. I really wanted my son to be grown up in Georgia, to be typical Georgian, and now he can decide what he wants. He can do it. He traveled in US. He studied there for one year. 
He won the scholarship from the U.S. government. He came back. Then he wants to continue his university studies somewhere in Europe. So it's it's one of the examples. Yeah, I think uh, definitely Georgia has a very bright and exciting future ahead. And the more Cross people, fingers. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think the more people that come and can see what Georgia's about, and as you said, they can whether they people bring their business here or just to come here mm, as a tourist yeah. or. You know, so many different ways that you can come and experience this country and yeah, and, and see what it's like and, and get involved yeah. in, in, in helping in helping the country grow and just become an incredible place. It's already an incredible place, that, but it's so, so much potential here. It's amazing. Yeah. So there are like too many gaps. So I think these gaps will be filled by the new generation. All right. So. <laughs> ahead. Yes. All course, right. Well, course. we might wrap up the podcast there. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and information Thank you, with Mike, us. Thank you, Mike, for interest. We look forward Thank to you. having you again because I'm going to pick your brain on so many more topics. <laughs> yeah. No, why not? I will be more than happy to share the information, of course. Wonderful. Always right. welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Tivolisi Podcast. Connect with us at foodfundtravel.com slash Podcast, where you'll find all relevant social media links, can join our email newsletter, and discover more about travel, tours, and expat services in Georgia. This show was brought to you by foodfundtravel.com, expathub.ge, and eatthistours.com.